Hello, welcome to the Battle Line Podcast, where we have conversations on that collision of space between community, faith, and culture. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Satterley, and here with me is my host, co-host in life, beautiful wife, editor of Peer Magazine, Jamie Satterley. Jamie, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you guys? You always, always have a little bit of like, why are you calling me all these things? Oh, it's fine. It's just okay. sweet and sappy. When your wife says, <laughs> when your wife says it's fine, it's not fine, guys. Right. We also have with us here our co-host, producer, the one who makes this entire thing work. Uh, Elizabeth, how are you doing today, Elizabeth? I'm super swell. How are you? I heard them making fun of you on the Fight for Good podcast the other day about saying like super, when you say super fantabulous, super swell day, and they're just like. So rude. They're so yeah. grumpy. Don't stop being grumpy. <laughs> All right. So today's episode, we're super excited. We have with us Jim Sparks. <laughs> you said super excited. Right after the- I am super excited. You quiet down over there. <laughs> yes. So we have Jim Sparks, a territorial youth director from the Western Territory. We're excited to have you with us. Super excited, Jim. <laughs> super Friday, guys. <laughs> So, um, yeah, we were just talking with Jim uh, right before we started recording about fighting the man. So uh, I, I love that. Yeah. So, Jim, as we uh, we always ask this, the first question for people, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, the Western Territory, your responsibilities in the Western Territory. What do you cover? And we have a lot of listeners who don't quite maybe know what the Western Territory covers geographically. So tell us a little bit about uh, like. How far I've heard it said the sun doesn't set on the Western Territory. So if you can explain that to us too, please. Yeah, that's uh that was a unique thing that showed up just a couple years ago. I I didn't know that either. So um, so the Western Territory goes from Colorado all the way to the Pacific Ocean, all those states, and then you have Alaska, Hawaii, and the Pacific and Marshall Islands. And there's a lot of those islands out there. So Chuuk, Pohnpei, Saipan, a bunch of little islands that are out there. And um, and because of those islands, that's why we run into the sun doesn't ever set. Um, have you have you been out there? Have you been to those islands? I unfortunately have not. I was scheduled to uh, go. It's a it's a guaranteed kind of two week trip because you have to fly to Hawaii and then you have to fly out to the islands. And there's flights that only happen generally once a day um, on, on those islands. So. It is a two-week trip, and um, so I was finally scheduled to go. I was super excited, and then, unfortunately, my son was born. So we, <laughs> like, we, I, I ran into a, a scheduling snafu there, and I knew once I had kids, then uh, it was going to be difficult to go. But I hope to go someday um, soon. Um, it, it, it is really amazing uh, what happens out there. And... Um, Actually, our media team just did a really neat piece on um, walkie-talkie ministry that's happening on one of the islands where they bought walkie-talkies for the whole village, and they've been doing Bible studies over walkie-talkies. And I that's think very that's cool. Totally rad. Um, but yeah, um, so that's that's our territory. And then um, I'm part of the leadership team in the uh, youth department in the Western Territory. There's seven of us, um, and we are unique in that we have been together a really long time. Generally, youth department staff come and go quickly. And our least seniority, I don't know, is that the right way of saying it? A person person who's been Works there the least. The least senior. Uh, she's in her sixth year. And uh, there's a couple of us that are over 10 years been together. And so... We are a family and we get along really well. Uh, we eat lunch pre-COVID together. 
Uh, we go on walks together. We are family. It's a weird, it's a weird group. And the best part is, is we don't agree on a lot of things. And uh, but we still have found a way to really work uh, really well together. It's really fun. And uh, yeah, it's been a privilege. I've been there for um, a long time. I don't know. I think I just passed twenty years with the army full time. I, so that would probably put me at 16 or 17 years in the youth department. Yeah, legally an adult in youth ministry. I know. I know. I, think, I, get, I still get the – I feel like it's passing now. I think people have given up. But I went for years. They're like, okay, what are you going to do when you grow up? You know, <laughs> uh, When you go into the audit department, Jim. I know. I just feel like people have kind of given up, I think, at this point because they don't bring that up anymore. They're like, oh, well. Now I say, have you been to those other departments? Why would I ever want to go? I, I no know. offense, other departments. <laughs> well, well, working in the youth department is tricky because there's this people have this weird stereotype of youth department employees of like you're wacky and just you know fun and games and all that stuff. And so, um, in our old office, we moved a couple of years ago. We redesigned it, and it was very much an open office where people could walk through and talk with us and stuff like that. And the amount of disappointment that people had coming through a report, they're like, oh, it's so quiet in here. I was like, yeah, it's weird when people work. Like, what happens? Uh, like expecting confetti cannons going off as you walk. And so I, I, a part of me really can't stand, like, I just can't stand that. But then it gets you out of things too. So it's this weird relationship I have with things because they're like, uh, don't invite the clown show. And so you don't like, they we don't have take to take it serious. To, yeah. They don't have to go to some things, but, but at the same time, it's like every time we're walking to lunch, someone's like, Oh, I just feel so much younger walking with this group. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, we all have kids. Like we're not like, we're not young anymore. Like, so it, it's a weird relationship, but it's a they fun department. They, they always bring life. Don't they? They always bring life to the, to the events. Well, they used to have me do a lot of welcomes, uh again because of the youth department and they're just fun crowd uh welcome of officers welcome to the tcs uh, welcome chapels and stuff like that and i think i had two or three in a row that were just a little much for them and so i haven't been out (laughs) for several years and so that's been that's been one way of going about it well, that is Jim, when you got when the audit department's doing welcomes now, Jim. That's a good job. I know it's always like people hate stereotypes, but we live in stereotypes because like, <laughs> God, like God help us if at commissioning the the BA doesn't do the offering. Like if <laughs> if, if if personnel does offering at commissioning. Uh, those officers are not, they have asterisks. They, those new lieutenants have asterisks on it because it was none done properly. Some, some people just want to watch the world burn. I, 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 I've, I've asked several times if we could do that. And the, the uncomfortableness of just asking that is like, Oh, but again, I'm the, I'm the guy that like, if you're sitting in a chair at camp and everyone gets up to go to eat, I'm not going to sit in that same chair again. I'm going to go sit in some other chair and then watch everyone just squirm and be like, I don't, you're sitting in my chair. I was at a core doing a visit and uh, the core had maybe 20 people in it, big chapel. And I sat down and this old guy came and tapped me on the shoulder and goes, you're sitting <laughs> I go, oh, I'm sorry. And I'm looking around and there's no one within three pews of me. And he goes, can you move over, please? And I was like, <laughs> uh, yes, I can move over. And so I moved over and I sat next to him. 
uh, uncomfortably close. Yeah, I would and, hope. Uh, so I don't know. We're weird creatures, but it keeps <laughs> us normal, I guess, and weird. Well, I'm afraid for my wife to ask this next question with all that you've already fired off. So, no, I'm. I am very much looking forward. This has been my favorite question of this series so far. We always get great answers. So we know, Jim. We've heard that you've been in youth ministry for a while. So tell us, like, what's the funniest story, or just one of your favorite stories of your time working in youth ministry? Or especially at camp. We always get good camp stories. Oh, camp. So I worked nine summers at camp. Um, here's here's uh, The Army makes really good decisions and some really dumb ones. And one of them, is, I was the uh, I was 19 years old, and they hired me to be the program director <laughs> for a camp. And at this particular camp, there's two camps on the property. So the DYS has to split time. So it's not like the DYS was around my shoulder that the whole time and the camp director. like they literally let me free with 55 staff members and 200 kids as a 19 year old. Like I, I, I can't believe it, but, um, but working in camp, I'm an observer. I like to observe things. I like to deconstruct things. It's a, it's a favorite thing of mine. And so, uh, uh, it, which unfortunately it does ruin some things. I, I'll, I'll, I could share a story about that, but, um, uh, as a 19 year old running camp, some weird things happen. And like, all of a sudden you're responsible for things. It was weird. But, uh, one time I was, you know, uh, well, I hid my age too, by the way, the whole summer I hid my wallet, I hid everything. And there was five people on staff that knew my age. And I was like, you cannot tell anybody period. Do not you t- like, what about hiring paperwork? Did you like, I'm I asking did- you if you lied on like official documents. Nope. Nope. But here's, here's what, what benefited me. I have a wrinkly old face and so <laughs> they, they really didn't understand how old I was. Uh, and I'm kind of a, but the, as much fun as I like to have, I, I take camp seriously. Like we, we have to do it right. And so, uh, and so, but there was a moment, um, there was a couple moments that I, I failed greatly and uh, I pulled a lot of pranks when I was younger uh, working at camp. Uh, and I'm the kind of person that pulls pranks that I don't need to see the reaction. The the action of doing a prank for me was exciting, but I don't need to see the reaction. I don't care. And if people don't laugh, I don't care either because I think it's funny. I don't need, I don't need laughter to, to fill me up. And so, um, so they, I was staying away from pranks and I was telling everyone, don't do pranks. And they're like, well, I heard that you did a few. I go, well, I, I never got caught. And so, um, <laughs> So, um, but what I would do is I would find out that they're doing pranks and I would, I wake up at five o'clock in the morning and I would clean up their prank. And so then I would sit at the flagpole and I would wait for them to come down and I would know exactly who did it because they would start looking at each other and I just write their names down as I'm watching them look at each other going, all right, I know who to do it. I know who to talk to. And they were so disappointed that they couldn't see their prank, but, um, (laughs) The prank eraser. Yeah, the one, the one that I got away with in front of everybody when I was younger. I uh, we we had a lifeguard who wasn't sharp, and uh, <laughs> just so, the kind of person you want to. Yeah, so you know. I, I asked her. I was swimming. I go, hey, how does that back brace work? Like, I don't understand how it works. Not figuring it would go anywhere. She goes, well, I could get in and show you. I was like, yes. <laughs> so she got in. We strapped her all up, and in the water. So she's wet. And then we carried her to dinner and then we propped her up on the, on the fireplace, uh, in the dining room for everyone to see. And she just sat there and everyone laughed. And like nowadays, I think people would frown on that, but, 
I was 19. I it, might I was, be, it might be illegal now. It might yeah, be illegal. 19, I was a program director and we had, every camp has that, that one staff member that walks around with, um, a guitar and like a squirrel sitting on the end of the guitar and, and it's like playing things. And like, it's I know like, just the guy, we must yeah, know the same guy. Everybody has him. And this guy's name was Michael or Yahweh or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he was gold. Like he did nothing wrong. He was the most amazing staff member. The kids followed him to anywhere he went and he was gold. And so, so he shared a room with this kid that was from my core who was kind of a, he was a punk and a, a fun punk. And, and so I'm walking down the hill and I see a pair of chonies, uh, some <laughs> underwear that had, um, contents inside them. And, uh, and they're in the middle and, I'm trying to figure out the story of how those even got there. <laughs> where is the, where is the culprit and all that stuff. But I, I actually come up with a better idea instead of investigating, I pick it up with a stick and I go to lay it on the kid's bed for my core on his sleeping bag and no one's around. So no one sees it. And so I'm in the office and I see Michael with his guitar on his back running down the hill. And I, I th it's clear that there's a major incident happening. Just the 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 fierceness of his run, and he comes up and he's out of breath, and he goes, "Jim, the worst thing has happened to me." And I was like, "Tell me what happened? <laughs> what happened?" And he goes, "Someone put dirty underwear on my bed." I was like, "What?" <laughs> I go, "Who would what?" And he's like, "I." I am so disgusted. I don't know if I could even work at this place. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like <laughs> hot feeling. I'm sweating and all that stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And I'm looking around. I'm like, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Just hang in there. And I go, I go, tell me which bed you're on. And he goes, I'm on the bottom bunk next to the to the wall. I go, I thought you were on the top bunk. And he goes, No. The other guy and I switched. And so the guy switched. So I thought I was putting on his, but I actually put it on Michael's. And I was like, Michael. I'm sorry that happened to you. I I'm <laughs> let me really, pray for you. I'm really no, I'm really sorry that happened to you. And you know what? You know, what, Michael, I'm just going to go up there. I'm going to take care of that. I'll clean it up and make sure that it's not around. And um, and then I'll, I'll let you know kind of what happens later. I, I was like, how do I get out of this without lying, <laughs> but without having to save face and admit it? Because everything's going to break down. It was a disaster. And so it, coincidentally in that same week, we're in chapel and a kid is like holding himself and kids always try to ditch chapel because it's boring. Right. And, <laughs> uh, and he goes, I, I gotta go to the bathroom. I'm like, no, stay here. Cause kids don't ever have to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, stay here, stay here. So all of a sudden praise and worship starts and I don't see the kid. And I'm mad. Cause now, you know, you're checking my authority. Right. So I'm like, where is he? And they're like, he's on the ground. He's on the ground holding himself. And I was like, oh my gosh, get up, let's go, let's go. And he had to run down 35 stairs and then across the basketball court to get to the bathroom. And so I'm like, come on, run, 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 run. We're running down the stairs and he's with me, he's with me. And all of a sudden I don't hear feet, his footsteps <laughs> anymore. And so I turned around and um, he didn't make it. And uh, <laughs> and it was it was catastrophic. <laughs> and that camp uh, food. Camp food will do that. Yeah. And I was like, it's okay, buddy. It's not a big deal. We're going to be fine. And so I worked it out and got the nurse and took care of it. And she's like, what happened? I was like, yeah, he just had an accident. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, um, 
and so there was stuff still on the court and so i called maintenance that a coyote must have been sick <laughs> and stuff and so that was taken care of so that's great that's great stuff. so those are some i, I don't know I, ha- I had a whole book uh of, of stories my life is built around content of mishaps uh in youth ministry we did i just a couple years ago this was not me finally um they were doing uh, the minute to win it games and um, those games are terrible. Like in youth ministry, <laughs> I don't understand why youth workers gravitate to these games that are constant failures for our kids. They're like, all right, we're going to do games and we got a bunch of prizes that we're never going to be able to get out because none of you guys are going to be able to win any of these minute to win it games, but it's going to be exciting. So let's do that now. And so we did that. And, uh, but they choked on a, Twix, like a little Twix thing, and uh, and was choking in front of the entire. <laughs> and everybody's and, like, ah! I know. I'm on the microphone, going, "Hey, uh, are you okay?" And she's like, <laughs> uh, 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 and an officer jumped up and did the Heimlich maneuver, popped that bad boy right on out, and and everyone's like, "Yay!" And stuff like that. We almost had someone die over a friggin' minute to win a game. So. Uh, but yeah, I, sorry, one last camp story. I deconstructed songs because I'm trying to tell everyone that we have to be careful with our messaging. Like we have to really think about like the messaging. I, it bothered me that kids would be leaving singing, you know, uh, these wild songs, which are fun. They're fun to sing, but those are the ones that they would have memorized. And, uh, and I wanted them to know Sunday school songs that they could memorize that they're locked in their head. They're speaking the scriptures. And so I was explaining this to camps and I didn't realize that this particular camp, uh, this was their favorite song, but I was like, if you take Chiquita banana, the song Chiquita banana, uh, that message is just giving kids the definition of bulimia and (laughs) the look on their face was just horror. And I'm like, no, no, no. Think about it. You, You eat, eat, eat the banana. You swallow, swallow, swallow the banana. Then what do you do? You barf, barf, barf the banana immediately. <laughs> so I go, that's the definition of bulimia, right? Like that's the message that we're receiving. We shouldn't be doing that. And so I was just using an example. Oh, the hate that I received from all of that <laughs> was so much. But I, I st- I'll stand by it. I'll stand by it. Well, speaking of stories, I, you know, I know. So we, we, we wanted to talk to you today too about the Say Network podcast that the Western Territory has, which you guys run there. Um, and I heard the other day on your podcast, well, it was a couple of months ago now, but about kettles yeah. and that you have had, speaking of stereotypes, like we imagine that's what the Western Territory is. Like celebrities are just walking, like bump, you just, like you bump into Michael B. Jordan at Walmart. Like I'm sure that's happened to you multiple times. It was, but, uh, it was Walgreens, but yeah. <laughs> we've had, uh, that you, you have had, celebrities put money in your kettle while you've been out ringing bells um do you care right now to name drop them on national podcasts i could i could name drop yeah i i should tell you that i don't really care about celebrities much uh but it has been kind of cool like uh um but my first if if i'm remembering right from both of your stories uh somebody had to tell you that that was a celebrity that just well, yes, the first one very much. Uh, Tupac Shakur gave money to a kettle when I was just getting started with kettles. I didn't know who he was. He was with an entourage, and uh, and he whipped out a wad of cash and and then flipped through it and then define pulled, wide like like a giant like, stack of like hip hop hip hop wide. Yes. 
Okay. Yes, he had, uh, I'm sure, cross-color jeans that had pockets big enough to house those. <laughs> and um, and he gave a 20. That's all he gave. All that cash, and he gave a 20. And I didn't know who that was, but it was, uh, yeah, Tupac, uh, before he died, obviously. Um, he doesn't give much since he died. But uh, <laughs> And then, uh, actually, last year... Um, yeah, last year, Angela Bassett gave money, uh, to that, which was really cool. Um, I did see, I did see her, like I was playing to be fair and I carrying a tuba, so I have to concentrate a little bit more, but, uh, I knew she was someone, I just could not figure it out. But the girl next to me, who's the officer's daughter, she was having like hyperventilating attack. Like that was a big deal for her. And she's like, can I go say hi to her? I'm like, yeah, go say hi to her. Like, go for it. That's cool. But we um, actually working at the camp um, and our camp in Southern California is uh, is famous in its own right for filming locations. Uh, and the opening scene of MASH, it flies right up and over our camp. Our cross is very visible in that opening scene of MASH. Uh, but they filmed a lot and they filmed why I lived there. And it's really cool at first. And then once they start filming, you're like, all right, this is ridiculous. But Ronald McDonald, uh, was there the Ronald McDonald. In fact, the producer said we have to refer to him as Mr. McDonald. <laughs> and uh, he goes, but he was a really nice guy. His stand-in was actually like Krusty the Clown. He was smoking and didn't like anything <laughs> in life. But um, but yeah, living around in there, because it's next to Malibu, you do see celebrities uh, like saw Mel Gibson three times in one day in different spots. So at, at some point you feel like he's stalking me. Because that, like the first one is weird, like the second one, but then the third one, like that. All right, now you're really just looking for me, uh, Mr. Gibson. Uh, but yeah, it's just weird. I, it, uh, and it, the people that seem to matter, like to to younger people, ironically, and I should know this, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. And so, like, we're in a store, and like, oh my gosh, that's i don't know who some young singer I was go like, with I, it just go with know. it first person in your head go yeah, with it particularly if they're music artists i don't know i don't know them i don't know music i uh i i, I just listened to the gaithers still <laughs> so that's that gaithers homecoming no I, I, here's a fact here's an actual fact i listen to folk music uh that's that's my jam and so that's nobody knows nobody cares and I don't, I don't know if you could say jam to folk music but well we'll take it oh i i can jam I can jam <laughs> that's my bop that's my bop but no kettles uh the funny part is is i've seen bigger celebrities just standing at a kettle than celebrity kick kettle kickoffs that I've been a part of because the celebrity celebrity kettle kickoffs are uh, they're 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 usually local celebrities or like let's make a deal celebrities and um, but yeah some some big boys have kind of come by the kettles before it's kind of fun. Nice, Jim. Tell us a little bit about um, your podcast. How did it get started? Kind of what's your goal and all of that, and how do we find you? So uh, so you can find us on uh, Spotify, YouTube, uh, Apple itunes or whatever and it's the say it's called the same network podcast um it, we are in our fourth season now uh we're going to be recording our fifth season coming up here um i don't know i like i've I, I think i mentioned to you guys before this but i've i've attempted a couple different podcasts i like the venue of podcasts to be able to learn from others and um and that's really all we're trying to do with that podcast is learn from others and uh and not just normal like interviews, like sometimes we'll do a normal interview, but we really like to f get figure out like 
what someone is good at and how can we learn from that? And actually, um, the national commander, uh, commissioner Hodder, he, his, his podcast, uh, his recordings that we did with him were always like very well received, not because he's a commissioner, but it's very practical. He taught us some very, very good things. And, uh, he's also easy to interview because he's incredibly prepared. And, uh, and so, uh, it moves along really well, but yeah. Uh, and then we, we try to find different stories. Like, um, this, my favorite one in this last season was interviewing, um, a youth worker who got hired, um, just after the pandemic started and, and then gets hired and then, uh, her officers move. So she's in her first job ever as a youth worker in the middle of a pandemic gets hired with no kids around and then her officers move immediately and then gets a temporary set of officers, I think, and then an actual set of officers. So she's going through like three sets of officers by September. Uh, and, it, and just listening to how she's navigating all of that. It's super cool. And um, I think one of the maybe a mistake might be a heavy word, but one, I think one of the mistakes that people make of youth departments, both DHQ and THQ, is that we're the total experts. I, we've given our lives to be experts at things like because we care deeply and I care all about all this stuff. But the reality is, is the youth workers themselves in, uh, that are that are doing it day in and day out. And not to say that we're not doing youth work like I teach core cadets and stuff like that, but I'm not in the day in and day out uh, work is they they know way more and they're catching on and, and stuff. And so it's trying to provide an avenue to learn from them uh, as well and so that we could stay up to, to speed. And um, we've been trying to have more fun. I, for some reason, I don't, I don't have as much fun. Uh, so we talk about youth culture stuff, which brings up some fun stuff, but uh, um, yeah, so we're in our fourth season and uh, we are going to be talking a little bit about camp um, in this next season um, and then interviewing some um some different people from around our territory as well, just to kind of learn from them. It, it's really cool. And there's been several times where I've taken stuff away myself, just being like, man, that that's really cool. Just, just that youth worker that I was telling you, just to l- listen to the excitement and the hope and the, like the zeal that she has to do what she's doing. Cause God has called her to do that. And to, to do that was like super inspiring for me. Cause I feel like in this last year, all I've been doing is fighting, <laughs> you know, you're, you're fighting all kinds of things, trying to get policies through, trying to do this, trying to figure out what all that stuff is. And I feel like this whole last year is negative. And then you interview this youth worker and she's like, Oh, it doesn't matter that there's pandemic. What I've done is just done this and it does this. And then I'm meeting, meeting with them and I'm phoning them all week. And it's like, that's what it should be. And that's what it For should sure. be. And, uh, and so that's refreshing. It's really cool uh, to hear that. Uh, and, you know, we have a very faithful group of nine listeners that, uh, <laughs> that, that are really good with us. They support us. And, you know, my mom is yeah. really cool. Same. I was going to say, I, mate, you're up in the nines. We, actually, we've got, I'm, I think, three moms, I'm, I think, listen to ours. I am grateful my mom doesn't listen because she would critique the snot out of me. She's like... <laughs> That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> My mom was a neighborhood disciplinarian. It didn't matter who you were. It was like, mm, Mrs. Sparks is going to get you. So tell us a little bit. We talked to, again, like there's an assumption, Jim, that like people in the Western territory, like like we, we made a joke about like bumping into celebrities at uh, Walgreens, you know, but like people assume there's like a California vibe, right? Like the whole Western territory, it's island, it's beach, it's saved by the bell. Say by yeah. bell in the say by the bell in the nineties. That's what youth ministry is like all the time. Yeah. But um, what what is it 
what tell us what's the vibe of of the working in the western part of the United States? Surely, like there's probably some stuff you have to deal with, maybe that in an attitude or a mindset or cultural thing that that probably people on the other side of the United States don't really understand. And uh, yeah, anything it, anything like that? Yeah, it's it's so different in our territory geographically speaking. I already explained how wide it is, and so you have you run into such different cultures everywhere too, like. To like a Clinket tribe up in Alaska, to uh, out in the Marshall, the Marshallese on the Marshall Islands, and and to Southern California to like urban cities or Seattle or San Francisco, and then to kind of out country uh, like Wyoming and 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 so it's it's so so different and um and so what challenges is it, is what language do we speak? It, it, the language that we speak is really different and where we go. And I've, I've learned the hard way. I've said some very wrong things that <laughs> I could have said in Southern California, no problem. But in another division, it's like, mm, boy, you, you should never say that again. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, after a two hour conversation with an officer, then you get, you get the message that what you said was maybe not appropriate for that area. But it's what's so cool about it is, um, is that it is so different. And so there isn't a one size fits all, uh, mentality and it isn't all California and it isn't all beaches. And, uh, and it's nothing like what people see on the TV. I always laugh cause I grew up in orange County and the show orange County, <laughs> uh, was very similar to my life. Um, <laughs> by n- none of it was similar, uh, <laughs> Uh, my, my friends weren't that good looking. Uh, and <laughs> I, I don't think I was that good looking and, um, and I didn't sit in a hot tub with people and just laugh about life that didn't happen. And so, um, so it, it is different and it, it's, it's hard. Like there's, there's communities that, you know, have different challenges and different and are suffering in different ways and trying to understand those and trying to be able to communicate in a way that they understand is, is a bit of a challenge um, because it is so different. And, um, but it's so cool when we get together because the, the vibe, as you say, is completely different. I think uh, because we could have, uh, we could have hula dancers doing a thing and then turn around and pull off a mariachi thing like real quick. It, it, that doesn't take much. And so, so the spread of program options is so vast. It's really, really cool. And uh, and I guess it's something that I got, uh, I think I was desensitized for a long time because it was natural for me. Um, but as I started traveling more and traveling to different uh, territories and even countries to do things, I realized that ours is a little bit different um, in that way. And and it doesn't ha- it doesn't feel forced where some places it feels forced. It doesn't feel forced. It feels very natural that that's just kind of who we are. And that's the makeup of it. And uh, some of our divisions are less diverse than others, naturally. Um, but, uh, but but program wise, it's very, very different. And it's cool. Like, I, I, I really like it. And it gives me a different understanding. Interestingly, though, the kids uh, disciplinary wise are different in different spots. So let's take camps, for, for instance. And in some of our camps, when our kids get angry, they just run. They, they go for a run. They run and try to run away from camp. And I I worked nine summers at a camp where we had not one runner. And uh, sorry, we had one. And I call uh, 
he didn't run very far because I just said, hey, just let him run because that dark woods over there, he will stop. And sure <laughs> he enough, he that, stopped. He hit that coyote spot on the basketball exactly. court. He slipped. And, and, uh, <laughs> but they would run. And I was like, that's weird. Like, do, do your kids run all like, oh, yeah, not some kids run here. I, we never had that. And then, uh, and then we had a visitor one time at another camp and there was a fist fight, which happened all the time at our camps. And, uh, they're like, um, are you going to send them home? I'm like, no, it's just a fist fight. And they're like, what? I go, this happens all the time. And they didn't have that. Like, so kids respond differently in different places. And so it, it's a bit of a challenge. And so actually, um, I do a lot of research when I go to like, if I'm speaking somewhere and, and teaching, I actually do a lot of research to make sure that I am in the right culture and what I'm saying is going to be brought like understood. And, uh, and that, because, uh, I don't want to be throwing them in tangents in other places. And so, um, so you have to do, you have to do a lot of research and you have to understand that you're not always welcome right away in places. And, and so it does take time. And, uh, one of our places is very difficult to get welcomed, and uh, and naturally, um, but when you when you get welcomed, when you get cross that path or do something, in my case, it was getting leveled by a football tackle. I caught a ball and the kid leveled me, and I jumped up. And it wasn't because I wasn't hurt. I jumped up because I didn't know what happened, <laughs> and it was a natural reaction. And they thought I took the hit, and all of a sudden now I'm part of the community. Then it's the most uh, like lovable community and faithful community and it's just really cool so very cool but it just takes time it takes time cool. uh, as you travel jim what's your go-to story that keeps you in youth ministry you know that time you saw a kid it didn't have to be at camp but in a way it was maybe it, it even wasn't a kid but you just you saw that person have their heart changed by jesus and like whenever times get tough whenever you think man why am in the world am i doing this why am i we talked about earlier fighting the man you know like uh what what just keeps you going yeah, I um, there's a lot of those stories. There's uh, there's a ton, and um, they they all have the same common denominator. It's it's the second chance kid that uh, really made a lot of people angry. That found that found their way, uh, and when I say found their way, uh, hopefully they found Jesus, obviously, and that happens, but not always. But they found like they found a person that cares about them and loves them. And you could see a change in that. It could be as simple as uh, a, a high five that is given to someone, and that's a big, big breakthrough. Um, or it could be like what ultimately we want is that them to be led to Christ. And um, there's there's a lot of those. And and the the first major one that I noticed uh, affected me when I was about eighteen. And, um, it was a camp one and a kid that came, he, no one liked him. Uh, he came off the bus and he was angry at life. Um, he, he took the dowels, uh, uh out of the closets and we're hitting kids, you know, that kind of stuff, co hanger, smacking them. I don't know, just kids being kids. And, um, but he, he had a, they were going to send him home and they, you know, as most program directors do defy the, the pleas of the rest of the people of saying, please send this kid home. They're like, no, let's give him a chance. And you're like, don't give him a chance. You don't have to live with him. And that ping pong game you play. But um, he said, if I could have that guy that gave me the tour on the first day, um, stay with me, then I'll, I'll be good. 
Well, I was the guy that gave him the tour on the first day. And I, I took advantage of the tours. Like I gave the, the highlight, the, the biggest tours you've ever seen. But, um, so, but he saved me because I was stuck, uh, working as a cook. I thought that was a good idea. It, it's not, I could tell you right now, <laughs> uh, working as a cook in a camp is the, the worst job in the history of jobs. Uh, I could go on, but it, um, I, I am now dying seven years earlier than <laughs> for having worked in a kitchen. And so they pulled me out of the kitchen and said, Hey, um, you're not going to be a cook for the last three days of camp. I'm like, Oh, sweet. And, but you have to hang out with this kid. I was like, Oh, geez, I'd rather burn my fingers on cookies that people don't like. And so, um, I, uh, but I hung out with him and I just treated him like a normal kid and he treated me like a normal adult and we had a good time and I saw a change in his life. And so, um, just seeing those, those, those stories. And then, and then to add a layer onto that is I think my favorite thing to see is youth leaders that were those kids. Mm, that's great. And, and so when I travel and I look, or even like getting a service corps application, I have to be careful because I have a lot of information on people. Like I'm able to retain a lot of information on people specifically. Most often I could tell the first time I met, met you, I could tell you probably what you were wearing and I retain that information. And so that's a problem because when they turn in their applications, I'm like, oh, geez, do you, do you know, do you know what happened in 2016 with this clown? And so, uh, but to see, see radical transformation and see people giving back and doing that work is, is what really is a big drive for me. That makes me excited. That means the system is working uh, as, as much as I can look at the failures and, and be effective emotionally by all that to see those successes is a big, big deal. And, and, you know, and it's, it's not just, uh, you know, them being an officer, that's cool, but just being in youth work or being a leader, wherever they are, or just being a good human, uh, it brings a, a, a great deal of joy to me and, and, and gives me the drive to keep, um, being now the old guy that's worked forever in youth ministry. Jim, I'm going to drop in a question on you that I didn't give you ahead of time. All right. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. And also I do want to say like, I, I was the kid who in high school was try, I would go into Sunday school and sit down and say, my goal is to make this lady cry by the end of class. Nice. That was real peach. <laughs> and, and that kid too could become an officer and do youth ministry one day. Um, yeah. So the fun part about that is on the flip side, then when we became officers and we had some kids in Sunday school class who would make know, me cry, would, would try to make the teacher cry. I just be like, Matt, what? This is God paying you back for who you were. And I don't know why I have to be a part of that, but okay. <laughs> so here's my drop. Here's my drop in question for you, Jim. Um, like what, what can, what concerns you for the youth? What concerns you for the youth today? Um, as they just grow up in this world? Uh, that, that's a, that's a really big question. And I, th and my answer would change if you asked me next week, probably. Sure. But right now it's, I, I'm most concerned with good, like loving, caring, empathetic examples of adults for them right now. Mm. Excellent. Excellent and answer. I, I just, it's, it's so easy to turn away from uh, all of this, any of this, when you see the people who are supposed to be your example, the, those elders um, not being cool, just being jerks and, uh, and, and to a level of jerkiness that they don't even understand how much of a jerk that they actually are. 
And that's, that's a concern. And it's been exasperated. Did I say that correctly? I was trying a new big word today. And, um, uh, <laughs> like over the day calendars paying off. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it was given to me 15 years ago, but, um, the, uh, this, this year we, you know, we've been in collective trauma this year. It's not just anybody, everybody's in trauma with, uh, COVID and we're all, you know, tired and, and, and having to deal with things emotionally that we've never had to deal with. Um, some of us, our backs are just against the wall constantly. And so there's this, this fight that has been within, and then not to mention obvious, the obvious divide politically and all that garbage. And so it's just this, this recipe, this stew that we have right now that is, is breeding really horrible examples of how to treat each other. And, and our youth see that and our our youth see everything. They know everything about us somehow. They are, they have, they are like as equipped as senior citizens are with, uh, with news, uh, in the church, the weather, the weather, there is a collection of senior citizens that know the moves before the moves come out. I, it's (laughs) really remarkable, but kids are the same way and they know all that stuff and they're emulating that stuff. And, and my fear is that we're breeding a generation, uh, a bringing up, not breeding a generation, uh, breathing, uh, bringing up a generation that, uh, think that this is normal and this Mm. isn't normal. And, uh, and, loving others is what we should be doing. And, uh, and I could love you, even though you don't agree with me and, uh, and we live different lives and it's still, there's still room for all of that. And, uh, and I want kids to understand that that's okay. Like, uh, but it's really hard when you're competing against, uh, dumb people on Facebook and, uh, <laughs> spreading weird things that don't make any sort of sense. Like even when you call them on it, you're like, Hey man, uh, do you actually believe this? Oh, well, I didn't, didn't read the article or anything. You're like, <laughs> Oh, that's not important and stuff. Uh, I, I was laughing. There's someone sent a, a meme around. It was golden. It was like the very people that try to pass legislation for us to not play video games because it's going to ruin our brains and and cause us to do all this stuff are the ones that are spreading all of these things that are ruining other people's brains or something to that effect. It's like, <laughs> come on, it's 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 heartbreaking in a way, uh, but uh, but we could we could be better. And uh, but I believe our youth are resilient and and they're stronger. And I think that they could see through a lot of this and 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 be the examples that we should be. Yeah. Great we answers. About, Great answers. Uh, yeah. We talked about the same thing a little bit on our podcast last week about just the division and the hate that's going on on social media uh, and how like it's just so disheartening. How do we as the church say like w- we follow, you know, we follow God, we follow Jesus, who's all about love. Let us teach you. But we're not really going to act that way. I mean, we're going to slaughter each other on social media. Yeah. But, hey, let's love each other. Uh, I think, you know, I think some of us just are craving a platform of interaction and this this is a way to do it without thinking much through it. And so it's like, I just need, I just need a like right now. I just need that. I need someone to like something that I'm posting. That'll preach. I need an audience. And so the, and then, and then what, what's misunderstood is then the algorithms start getting to you and start feeding you that. And then you get into this weird rabbit hole that you are now, but what's happening in that rabbit hole as you're 
talking a certain way, and it doesn't matter which way, as you're talking a certain way, now your circles start shrinking and shrinking, but they get louder and louder and it makes you feel good. And, and that's just, it's just a loneliness problem. And, uh, I think if we were better friends, I, it sounds so trivial. I think if we were better friends, then we'd have less problems, uh, with some of this stuff. I think if we were just called our friends and said, Hey man, I love you. And I, and I miss hanging out with you, but let's just chat while we go for a walk. I think if we did that more, things would be different. Cause I, I have found a couple people that have said some pretty boneheaded things. And I just say, Hey, uh, that's kind of boneheaded. Right. And, uh, and we talk about it and then, and then we do, I come to an understanding of where they're coming from and they come to an understanding where I come from. And I think we can move to a better place, but, um, I, it's just this, I think the underlying thing is this, this desire to have community and like, and people have found this in these political things. And, uh, and, and even if there's hypo- hypocrisy all over it, it doesn't matter because you don't see it because you're knee deep into this algorithm. It's, it's scary. Uh, it's, it, it's scary how that could work. But as a youth worker, uh, this is a wake up call for us to be educating everybody as much as we can to say, Hey, this is how, easily life could be manipulated for you and and you could turn into your bad self very quickly um if you if you're not being careful with how you operate now for uncle whoever it is that is just crazy we need those people in our <laughs> life because we need to have content to be able to share and laugh as a family <laughs> Jen, these are great. These are great. These are great answers. Um, great. Appreciate you being on with us. Knee deep in the algorithm, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, Jim Sparks' favorite folk song. That's Knee right. Deep in the algorithm. That's actually a band. Uh, they're playing at Coachella. Um, <laughs> that fire like, festival. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So one of the things, Jim, we ask every week to, you know, kind of boost ourselves, make sure that we're focusing on the good in life is what is giving you joy. So what, what's going on in your life right now? That's giving you joy. Um, I don't know. I struggle with joy. I gotta be perfectly honest. Uh, cause I, again, my brain deconstructs things. So that tends to take away some joy out of simple stuff. Um, but, um, so strangely this pandemic as awful as it is, and as long as it shouldn't have gone and all that stuff, um, as a parent, Everything, anything that you've ever wanted to do is press pause on life and and slow everything down. And I have three boys. They are um, and they're heavily into sports. We attend a lot of sports, and I love every bit of it. I love. Uh, I will. I will attend games of. I've attended games of kids at my core regularly. I don't need my own kids to be there. I love going to games and watching. I go on Tuesday mornings and watch a group of senior citizen guys play softball in the park um, because I just love it. But what this time has done is we've been home this entire time uh, with each other is pause in a pivotal time, I think, in their lives to really enjoy each other and really understand and, and not lose sight of how fast everything's going. And there's just more time allotted because I don't, I, my commute to work is really long. It's an hour and a half. Um, and so I, I, I've been given the gift of time to be able to, uh, to hang out with my family and my wife and all that stuff. I haven't traveled on an airplane in over a year. The last trip was to national headquarters a year ago. And so it's really, really cool. I am so excited that, um, 
that like I've been able to have this time as, as awful it is, the silver lining is that we've been able to enjoy that. Um, I feel like though we're in a race to do all these home improvement projects before sports and church take back the weekends. Like I've been looking forward to Mondays to relax and go to work. And, um, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's been just really joy, like just a simple act of playing catch uh, out out in the backyard is uh, it's just a lot of joy for me. Um, and yeah, it's been really, really exciting um, through it. And I think my extended family has gotten closer because that's what your bubble is in, in a way um, to an extent. And so, so that's all been that's all been good. And I, my hope out of all of this is that we're developing um better family habits for not just my own family, but for each other and our friends. Because uh, what I loved like through this time is like our front door doorbell rings. Well, I, that's a lie. I just lied to you. Our doorbell doesn't <laughs> ring. I've been meaning to fix that for a long time, but I knock that's on today, the door and then I open up and there's like uh, brownies just sitting there from like one of our neighbors. Like we've gotten to know our neighbors and people are doing all this extra good stuff because it's a time of trials. I'm, I, my prayer is that this is all habit. It's all, we've all formed habit. So that way, when we're back to our busy lives that I could still knock on someone's door and give them a set of brownies and we could share that with each other. And uh, so that's, that's, my hope. And, uh, uh, we've talked about it as a family that we're not going to stop doing that type of stuff because it's been fun for us. Uh, we, I built a mascot. I, I built my kids Halloween costumes. And so one time we, I built a bobblehead, a really big bobblehead for my kids and it shakes, it's got springs in it, all that stuff. I'll send you guys pictures later, but, um, I had them put them on and we went to all of our friends and, play take me out to the ball game out in the front and the kids everyone went bonkers so so just those simple things to do with your neighbors i hope that builds habits uh long answer but that's what's bringing me i'm gonna have to jesus up my answer now (laughs) no i love it we've played a lot of games a lot more games too at our house with our two girls the downside of that is that they have become really good at trash talking (laughs) and also beating me which is not so much fun for me Jim, yeah. I, did, I did want to ask. So I'm going to throw out a number. You tell me higher, lower of you go to all these like uh, sporting events for kids. Uh, so I'll throw out this number. You tell me, have you seen a parent like verbally attack a ref more than this many number of times? Okay. I'm going to go uh, six. Oh, yes. Way <laughs> higher. You've, you've heard of Karen go after a ref. Yeah. I, so I am the, I'm on our board of directors for our little league and I am what's called a player agent. And so I represent all the kids. I'm looking out for their safety and their kindness and all that stuff. And so I've gotten involved. Luckily, our league's pretty cool, but we've run into some some boneheads. The, the, here's the common denominator for boneheaded parents that can't help themselves is they were unsuccessful themselves. <laughs> and so they believe that their kid is superior and, but they don't really believe that they want themselves to feel good and be part of the top class. And it's a really sad situation. And so, uh, I, uh, I have quietly uh, been writing like what I thought would be a fun sports, um, sitcom. And but the premise really is that the parents have all the issues in the sitcom and the kids are always full of joy and they're always just having fun because that's really what's happening out of all of this. But, yeah, some boneheaded stuff. But, no, I attend sports uh, things. I am I am a season ticket holder um, of the Caltech basketball team. 
and uh they uh we there's about 20 of us um that attend the games um and <laughs> is that like season tickets or total a total, total <laughs> okay, people yeah, just, just making sure just making sure clarify division three caltech is a science math school engineering school and uh um, known for their basketball it's a basketball school really they have the smartest people in the world arguably working there and um they had 330 game losing streak Mm. And, uh, I live close by. And so I go and I watched 45 straight losses, um, before they won. But let me tell you that one victory was a really big deal. And, Who did they uh, beat? Do you remember? Yes. They beat Occidental, which was the rival. And so that was kind of a big deal. And a rival so, win. That's awesome. Yep. And, uh, but it's, it's super cool. I go, my wife doesn't understand it cause she is, uh, she was like a team all state for basketball. And, uh, so she likes good basketball and she cannot stand the fact that I go to these games, but I go by myself, but here's, what's cool is I met two other guys that we watched the games together. And one is a professor from Caltech and he reads the most crazy books during every timeout you've ever seen. Uh, it's so eclectic. I can't even get into it. And then the other is a close friend of mine is his name is Clarence and he's a postal worker and he just retired and he's always in his postal uniform. And we sit together and we watch these games and we believe every game that they're going to win. And, uh, and they have won a few times, but, uh, what it's done is it's allowed me to develop relationships um, that are unique and fun. And we talk about life and talk about things and we are in different spaces in life, but we share this common team that loses frequently, uh, and love for it. And it's super cool. So all that to say is to get out of your circle, Salvation Army people, please get out of your circle. You get stuck in these circles, you get stuck in these groups and they just get smaller and you become insular. Get out of your circle because there is a lot of joy. There's a lot of great things that are happening outside of the Salvation Army that you could go to. And I find joy in watching a team that has had a school record win last year of seven wins. Okay. <laughs> so get out of your bubbles, people. <laughs> What's uh, what's given me joy a little bit is what Jim was talking about earlier is just I have really enjoyed um, because of the pandemic being on Facebook and just seeing all the Salvation Army youth events taking place virtually across the country. It's kind of nice to to be able to see so I can watch a, a youth councils in Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi, and then and then next day see a young adult retreat in the Northwest Division in the Western Territory. So it's very cool to see that. That's what's given me joy just to see, again, as Jim was talking about, the differences, um, just to see it across the country is awesome. That's about me. How about you, Elizabeth? I'm going to keep it uh, classic here and go with S Club 7. <laughs> yeah. Jim admitted Jim admitted that he didn't follow music and I wouldn't say that it was like 2021 music, like S Club 7. They hit their peak probably when, Elizabeth? I, I was listening to them when they were on their peak. It, was it like early 2000s? Yes, like I would say early 2002. Oh my god! Okay, yeah, no, I was too young then. <laughs> well, congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right, Jamie, wrap us up. Yeah, so I'm going to go the uh, opposite way of Jim, which I completely 100% agree. We have loved all the extra family time. Uh, but what's bringing me joy is my daughter got to go back into school in person for the first time yesterday in a year. Um, they're only going part-time, not even every day a week, just uh, two days a week. Um, but this is 
uh, for she's very introverted, and I have been very concerned that that the pandemic has not helped those uh, helped her, you know, develop. <sighs> Uh, how, you know, how to succeed and live in the real world, even though you are an introvert. And so um, it's been, it was good for me to see. She came out with a smile. So that was good for mom's heart. This is a new school. We moved in the middle of the pandemic. So new school, uh, new, new environment. So it, she had a good day. She did have a mega complaint about the nachos. They didn't melt the cheese. They just handed her shredded cheese. There was a nacho <laughs> emergency at school, which was just, well, that's, yeah, she that's said, very fair. And <laughs> She needs to understand that the student council needs to step their game up and put the pressure. It's, it's, yeah. if I'm going to tell her, start a petition, Lillian. If you're one of these Americans who is putting shredded cheese on nachos, Not what even is, melting it. It's just a cup of shredded cheese and a bag of chips. She was is, very uh, discouraged. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? that? You, well, who hurts you that you put shredded cheese on chips and call it nachos? No. Wait, so they didn't yeah. melt any of it? It was just a cup of regular No, no. Cup of she got up. She said, I got up to the window and they said, we have nachos. Do you want chili or cheese? So she was like, of course. I said cheese. And she said, they handed me a bag of chips and a little cup with shredded cheese in it. And then she just looked at them like, thanks, Corona. <laughs> Oh my goodness. But I have since heard that this is not, those are not Corona nachos. That's just how her school makes nachos. <laughs> so she's not super impressed by that. Uh, but the other parts of the school she really likes. Okay. <laughs> so here's what you need to do. You guys need to go buy a cheap microwave, <laughs> put it on like one of those little uh, old lady book dollies and then bungee cord it around and have her drag it to the thing. And no, here and and say i will microwave the, your nachos so that cheese melts for one dollar and it'll go to world services and she would be locked and loaded for sure for sure yeah so is good 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 joys all around jim thank you so much for talking with us today man we appreciate it yeah it was say network podcast check it out uh look for them on spotify wherever you get your podcasts say network uh that's the thing about the Salvation Army. You can put a Y or, you know, any other letter after SA and it just makes it all fits. The word that just keeps on giving. <laughs> That's going to end this episode of the Battle Line podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Battle Line wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to check out the Peer website, peermag.org, or follow Peer on the socials at peer.magazine. Lastly, even though they made fun of Elizabeth and her super fantabulous day, check out our sister podcast called the Fight for Good Podcast. Until next time, this has been The Battle Line. Bye. Bye. Bye.